This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Episode 218 is in the house. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Hopefully you're having a good day, good evening, good weekend, whenever you are listening to us here. It's gloomy, gloomy, and a bit cooler here in South Louisiana as we record episode 218. Fall, as they tell me, is on the way in, although on some days it's pretty hard to tell. But anyway, we're here, and we got a great, great discussion for you today. As our guest on this episode of The Clay Young Show is Dr. Laura Cassidy. She is here on behalf of the Louisiana Key Academy. It is a charter school in the city of Baton Rouge that services and serves children with dyslexia. And the school has been in existence for a little while now, and they do great work. And Dr. Cassidy and I are going to have a discussion about the work that they do at Louisiana Academy, but also the importance of schools and education systems keeping children as priority number one in the work that they do. And she has been committed to helping children in and around this community for a very, very long time. As many of you know, she's married to U.S. Senator Dr. Bill Cassidy, and they together have been very involved in the community here. And she'll be with us in studio here in just a second to talk with you about that. Politics, 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 right? In Louisiana, we have wrapped up round one of the governor's race. We are now in a runoff with businessman Eddie Rispone against incumbent John Bell Edwards. And this is going to be a very steep climb for Governor Edwards. And I've got lots of thoughts on that, but we're not going to do them today. We will have a conversation about that in the coming weeks because there's really not that long. The the runoff election is on November 16th, so we're not that far away. But I've got some perspective on that I want to share with you. I will say this about making it to the runoff and Mr. Rispone getting there over Congressman Abraham. And I think that really was about the the way the Abraham campaign wasn't able to spend money. They didn't have the money Rispone had. He put in 11 and a half million of his own money. And I never thought that they made a connection. Quite frankly, I think most everybody in that primary got what they were going to get. The difference being Rispone got the percentage that Abraham might have gotten had he been ahead. Eddie Rispone's move from being uh, an almost laughed at figure because of the media. His media was so bad when he started. It was comical. I was telling a friend of mine at any point in one of those commercials, I was waiting on him to look deadpan into the camera and go live from New York. It's Saturday night. That's how bad they were. And it, it, it didn't hurt him in the, long, in the long run. And I think that debate performance, the final debate performance, did help him because he went after both the governor and Congressman Abraham. And the truth is, it was one of the first times, maybe the only time, because I can't remember another that I've seen the governor get flustered on camera. And so 
We'll see what happens in these upcoming debates. But the governor has got to be able to get moderate Republicans to consider him. And again, I said I'd get more heavily into that in coming weeks. I won't do it today, but it's I'm looking forward to it. And I tell you what else I'm looking forward to and that you can look forward to as well. And that is a discussion about the great work at Louisiana Key Academy and why education is so important to our children. Podcast225.com Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, Call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. Exactly how long have you been wiping rodents off the planet? 26 years. 26 years? So let's talk about what you're going to do in the 27th year. (laughs) Well, you know, it's amazing. If you look at the reproductive cycle of a rodent, Mm Mm-hmm. Two rodents over a course of 12 months can become 3,400. What? Yeah. It's a serious problem and not something you want to take lightly. And the reason we get so many customers from the big box stores is because you can feed them buckets and buckets, and it's like you're just feeding them. Mm. So you Mm. need to use what the pros use. You save a lot of money, and you eliminate the problem. With all the construction and everything going on in the Capital City region, people need to find this stuff. Where can they get it? Well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or you can give us a call with any questions at 273-4788. Make your lawn, gardens, and even the inside of your house safe from rodents and pests at Pest Stop. The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Laura Cassidy, one of the founders of the Louisiana Key Academy. She is also the chair of the board. Louisiana Key is a charter school in Baton Rouge that serves children with dyslexia. And in 2019, the models of charter schools and their effectiveness have been the subject of of great conversation nationwide. Laura, how are you? Good morning, Clay. I'm good. How are you? Let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Where where did the impetus to create Louisiana Key come from? So it came from another mom, uh, just like me, that had a son with dyslexia, and we realized that. Uh, despite having them in a school that we actually uh public school and then schools private schools they were not getting what they were Mm -hmm. what they needed there seemed to be a lack of understanding in the schools of what dyslexia was and what the kids needed there has been a stigma behind dyslexia and maybe largely because the public doesn't understand it do you believe that that lack of understanding has has impacted generations of of people not just children today but adults who've come through it never knowing they had it personally i think when you're ashamed of something usually it's from the adults right Mm -hmm. and it turns out that the the federal law about dyslexia is 40 to 50 years old wow and it lumps dyslexia with a traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. and the imperfect ability to think 
Yeah. So, you know, quite honestly, the teachers don't know. We haven't kept up with the science. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it is transmitted to the child as you're not very smart or you're lazy. Yeah. I mean, and again, where does where does that come from? Where does all of that begin? That that it is it is seen as the things that you talked about, you know, neg- in a negative connotation versus being viewed as just another learning disability that 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 the education system tries to to deal with. Yeah. So what we are trying to do uh, on a local level and on a national level is actually pull out dyslexia, because I think learning disability is this big basket of terms Mm -hmm. and and dyslexia is unique because these kids all have average to above average intelligence Mm -hmm. but they present uh, with this they're as struggling readers most often and we equate intelligence with reading Mm -hmm. which in dyslexia that is not true and so if we can help people understand it's an entity it's valid it's very common Mm -hmm. They're smart kids, but they're going to struggle in the beginning. And so for someone who's a layperson who doesn't understand how dyslexia works and, and the, the block that it, it, that it creates between the child and their ability to learn, what is it? So, uh, you know what? We have been talking for thousands and thousands of years. Man first mm-hmm. and woman was sure. talking, right? Sure. You think about the Greeks. And then we went to reading and actually some of the famous people you read about it were didn't want us to even have print Mm -hmm. and reading so so the brain we were able to speak but reading these symbols is fairly new in in the history of mankind womankind i'm trying to be politically correct (laughs) so (laughs) that's hard nowadays it's hard to keep up so so it, because people do get confused when you start talking about this, but you know, for a dyslexic, the sound of the spoken word, it doesn't automatically match with the print. The problem is people go, oh, it's a visual problem. Oh, it's a hearing problem. No, no, this is because we take hearing and vision seeing to deep in the brain. Mm-hmm. That's where the issue is. Mm-hmm. And so they just they're looking at these symbols these lines and they're like what the heck is this and so you can see it in a young child learning the alphabet like they'll finally may learn a b c or a is ah but then they don't know what the next day and you're like wait 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 we knew this yesterday what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. you know but it's just that part of their brain um, they're, they're actually not using that part. They're using different parts of the brain. What causes that? We, I mean, it might not be that anything causes it, right? It might be that it's because dyslexia is at least 20% of the population. It may just be a normal, um, I don't know how I would say it in lay terms, but um, a, a normal variant, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I mean we don't have any studies of you know brain imaging from birth you know to then when we can pick it up like when they're three or four years old yeah so we don't know but we just assume that it is possible it's a normal variant because it is at least 20 percent 
And your school is able to teach children in a way that gets them to work around that variant and those barriers that are there, or at least be able to function with that reality still being there, correct? Well, the most important thing for people to understand, if they don't understand anything else, is the academic gap is there in the first grade. So if we can screen the children all children in kindergarten get them in the first grade Mm -hmm. we can do we can help them the most it is much more difficult they're so i mean because when they come to us as second third fourth graders not only are we trying to teach them to read we go back to the we have to start with the you know you got to know your abcs your Mm -hmm. sound Mm -hmm. letters correlation so we're trying to do that plus give them all the information they're supposed to be learning in the second, third, and fourth grade. But yes, we, we, we um, use the science, which we have, and it's a lot of work because it, it's not just reading. It's because they're having the hard part with the smallest part of the uh, sound of a word. It affects writing, spelling, early math, because in math, the numbers look like letters. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 giving them what they need academically, but it's as just as important is their self esteem. Yeah. So we work really hard because you know when something's hard every day, mm-hmm. you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young. So the good thing about Louisiana Key Academy is you're there with people that are struggling like you are. Right. And so it's like, okay, I'm not alone. The teachers say I'm not stupid, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna succeed. I just got to keep persevering, and that's that's what we're about. So generationally speaking, there have been children, particularly children in in poor communities who may have learning disabilities and it is almost abusive and well not almost it is abusive the browbeating that those children take because they're not performing and it isn't a lack of performance based upon effort something's not working right in their head that allows them as you just articulated to to understand it and then they get name called and you know people get frustrated and they yell at him what's wrong with you are you stupid why aren't you getting this and these kinds of things happen and children just say i'm never going to get it and they quit and i i know that it's true because i'll tell you a personal story when our daughter was in i believe first grade she may have been in kindergarten Mm -hmm. kindergarten or first grade and she kicked the principal Hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, what do you do, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And he was, he he actually took it pretty well. But later when, you know, Kate's able to tell me, I mean, they're smart kids. Mm -hmm. They want to know why am I struggling Mm -hmm. so? And so, you know, kicking a principal is one thing, but you can, and she was young, and Mm -hmm. you can see after year after year, because what happens is, those that aren't dyslexic, they're going into second grade, third grade. They are reading, and they and their reading ability really the slope changes. That it's going full speed ahead. Sure, and so it's going to get more and more. So by the fourth grade, I would say it's you know for somebody with severe dyslexic, you ha- and and the parents will tell you this. Mm-hmm. It's just miserable for a child. 
but parents have to be engaged and we have we have communities of people where it, it isn't complete disengagement by parents but a lot of children are fending for themselves and and that's a tough thing especially if you've got a learning disability but no one's there to to help you well i i think the parents it's so important that you have a parent that can advocate for you. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's the job of the school. Right. If for something with dyslexia, of, of dyslexia, which is so common to be, you know, and one of the things that the Dyslexia Resource Center does is we have free, we, we start with uh, free uh, online classes, but we train teachers. We will work with you. We, we will do whatever you want. Um, so to speak, mm-hmm. to, to help you understand what dyslexia is, to identify these children, and then to be able to help them. Because, you know, m- most people, parents are intimidated by the sure. school system. Sure. You, you send your kid to school and you're like, you, you're the expert. Mm-hmm. You take care of my child. Right. And, and it's not the teacher's fault. They, they are putting put in this situation. Right. And I really think everything rolls down from the federal government. But... Again, I'm here, and the schools here, and the resource centers. Let let us help you because it, it dyslexia is so common, and it really it was like I was telling you about Jonathan, the prisoner. Yeah. He he told me he said, I just knew if I could get this reading down, I would be successful. Mm-hmm. But he <laughs> couldn't. He you know, and ha- how can you get to the eleventh grade and read on a fourth grade level? And it happens all the time. It does happen a lot. So, you know, I talked about parents, but you're right about the schools. And I think the vast majority of teachers in the classroom really love their children and they are really inspired to help their children. And I, and I see it. I mean, it's nothing like watching a teacher in a classroom engage and vibe with the kids in the classroom and you see that synergy. So most teachers get it. However, you have to be taught. Um, let me ask this question this way. Doesn't a person have to be taught to recognize signs of something like dyslexia in a child? Yes, yes. And, and again, the the current model that we have blames, they blame, we blame the parents, mm-hmm. we blame the teachers. And again, all I, my push is, look, we have the science. It's not going to not every child's problem is dyslexia, but let's mm-hmm. deal with what we know, and then we can see what you know what else is left. Right. But yes, the teachers have to be taught. We um, offer uh, a, a course, mm-hmm. and we are training teachers to be what are called certified academic language therapists. We also intend to mm-hmm. offer a master's program. Okay. And, and the beauty of that, of course, is if a teacher gets a master's, they get paid more. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, a teacher training is a big part of this. So the at Louisiana Key Academy, what grades do you serve? First through eighth. First through eighth grade. So immediate, initially when you started, I was there for a meeting with you. I guess this is a couple of years ago. And there was a, a child there who was extremely frustrated, a little boy. And he was crying and having an episode. And I watched your team patiently deal with him and stay at a at a monotone tone calm uh didn't get frustrated 
how long, and this may be a really simplistic question to ask, but how long does someone have to go through training to learn how to deal with that? Or is that an intuitive thing that someone has and you're looking for that in the people you hire? Well, I think it's, uh, so when we first started, we had some teachers that were really inappropriate because it was new. Mm -hmm. Now we have enough teachers, many, many teachers that understand what dyslexia is. And so that sets the tone. Sure. And when the team interviews future teachers, potential teachers, they are very honest with them. Mm -hmm. This is not for every teacher. Right. Um, you have to understand that these children are smart, but depending on what grade we get them, because we love to get them all in the first grade. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't. Right. And and the later we get them, the more baggage they're going to have about their self esteem. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I th we train how to teach them to read, write, and do math. But we also want the it's called the see a strengths model. And we're really working on this with our middle schoolers because the truth is if you go you come to our school you you're depending when you come you're, you're gonna succeed mm -hmm. but you're it's still hard mm -hmm. school is still hard so so what we try to do is to see a strengths identify what their strengths are right because we want them to go to a high school that is going to work with them on their strengths so they can then go to college. The weakness is this ability to match the spoken word mm -hmm. with the alphabet, with print. But is it is it like the lady on the um, CBS piece? Because yeah. it, 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 there are a lot of dyslexics at MIT. Is it math? Mm -hmm. Get me through the beginning math. Right. Is it STEM? Is it athletics? Mm -hmm. Is it... I'm an artist because they're creative. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg, a lot of people in Hollywood. Joe Montana, number. Joe Montana, uh, who is the who was at the before Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And me being a 49er fan, when I learned about that with him, you would think the way that Joe could process information on a football field, which is part math and science, learning a playbook and distance and all of those things, the physics of it. And and so you would never know. I think President Kennedy um, was was President Kennedy a dyslexic? I'm not sure. I know Tim Tebow. Which, Tim Tebow, yes. Mm -hmm. and so a lot, a lot of athletes. Mm -hmm. so, so our job is to again, and we're working with um, different people in yeah. uh, Baton Rouge, including LSU, Dr. Mm -hmm. Warner, um, Mr. Daniels in Baton Rouge, but help us get these kids to high schools and then they will go to college mm -hmm. it's just this perseverance and equipping of of where they are what about the impact this has on them socially because you talked about the spoken word and then a child can be introverted not necessarily because they want to be but because they are ashamed of being different and not understanding why they're different. Talk about the social impact and the way that it, it impacts the way a child really gets along with his or her peer group. Well, you, you know, I think Jonathan, again, he, he came down, he was um, living with his grandmother that summer mm -hmm. and he got in with the wrong group. And I feel like 
if his self-esteem had been where it should be, if he mm-hmm. could read, he wouldn't have been. Because I asked, and I think actually the woman that interviewed him from CBS asked him, so you got in with the wrong group. Yeah. And he did and committed the armed burglary. Yeah. So, um, and, and for some some kids, they're going to be defiant. Mm-hmm. Other kids are going to be introverted, as you said. I think it just depends on the child. And then there's also the comedian, right? Mm. I, I'm, Who's I don't... hiding their disability by using humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I've spent a long time volunteering in the community and, and helping wherever I could, whenever I could. And I often find that what's common over the years is these kids saying that they are misunderstood. I mean, you hear that. I've, I've, I've heard that in different circles around Louisiana for years, that they don't feel understood. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I'm, I'm, but I, what I'm saying is if this is an aspect of there being a relational issue there because of dyslexia or some other learning ability, how can we change the way that we dialogue something like this publicly so that children will feel more comfortable coming forward and saying, I think something is wrong? Yeah, well, I think talking to the kids, uh, we are always open uh, for people that are interested, seriously interested, to tour the school. But I actually think talking to our children is probably the strongest way to understand. And now that we have children in middle school, mm-hmm. 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, they're able to articulate. Yeah. And there was a little bit on the CBS show. I wish there was more. But they can tell you, this is how I felt before, yeah. and this is how I felt now. Right. And so, and also the what Louisiana Key Academy serves as a best practice model. So we give them their science and their social studies in a different venue. We don't mm-hmm. give them a book and say, okay, we're going to go home and read about this. It is, uh, in science, obviously, it would be through experimentation yeah. uh, and hands-on in that regard. Social studies, it could be taking a time period where you dress up and mm-hmm. you actually play as the character. And that's really what I actually look at our school as what school should be about. We're trying to foster creativity. Yes. We're, we're playing to their strengths and we want them to want to learn more. We just ha- we can't say this is the way we're going to teach you and then it doesn't work for them and say, ah, sorry, it's your fault. It's, huh. uh, it's incumbent upon us to say oh they're not learning this i need to figure out a better way to present the material to them and it should be fun we've gone to year-round school as well mm-hmm. uh, because the kids that suffer the most are the kids that come from lower economic means everybody sure. that can afford it sends them to the best camp they can right so i i think um it is possible I, you mentioned earlier that our school model now is probably outdated, and it is. It is. Well, not not so much. Well, you, you mean public school in general, not specifically Key Academy. But I agree that I think traditional public schools have a model that has existed for so long with children now who walk around with a hard drive in their hand, with their cell phones, and the way they communicate. They'll sit next to one another and text each other and not look and just 
talk to one another, but they, it's what they do. They text with their phone in their pocket. Right. They don't even have to see it. Right. And so we have to take where they are and what they're about. And, and oh, I know I was going to tell you, like, so social studies. So you say these kids say, you know, they don't understand who I am. Again, what I have talked about at Louisiana Key Academy, look, if the kid's interested in rap, I'm not interested in rap, but if that's what they're interested in, then you give them the information and you tell them to come up with a rap song. <laughs> I, I mean, really, why, you know, we can't pigeonhole people into learning or being interested in what we're interested in. Their right. background's different. Right, right. So it's our job to, because again, you wanna foster curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like the world is awesome out there. Yeah. And it's yours if you just ask questions and persevere. How can people learn more about Louisiana Key Academy? We have um, a Facebook page, mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we have it all. Website. Our website is great, but basically, it's. Um, if you just Google in Baton Rouge yes. or Louisiana, Louisiana Key Academy, it all pops up. And you can call the school or go online. And our website we've updated, uh, it looks it looks good. It does. I, I encourage people, if, if you're curious about it, go tour the school. It's in the heart of the city. There's a little construction happening on the street around there now. But, you know, Baton Rouge is really good at taking a six-month construction project (laughs) and let it last 10 years. But, you know, (laughs) you can't have everything. And then you'll get three lanes. (laughs) And then you'll get three lanes. And only one of them will be free from traffic. In fact, we were talking about you driving in here on a Sunday from New Orleans and having traffic delayed. Well, listen, I want to do this again. But what I would love to do the next time we do this is bring a couple of the kids with you. I would love to hear them talk about the impact it has. And I think charter schools are great because when they work, they give kids an opportunity to use a non-traditional model to learn and actually feel good about education. I went to a school in New Orleans from uh, it was it was through collegiate academies and they've got two charters down there. And I toured them both because they were trying to get me to be on the board there. And I didn't do it. Just too much going on. Uh, But I still volunteer where I can. And I went into a math class and it was it was all African-American children. And we watched for a while as the instructor is talking to the kids. Now, they're sitting around tables, not at desks. And they're actually having lunch (laughs) while they're in the class. And but they're engaging with her about a problem, an equation that was on the smart board, and they were talking like they were deconstructing uh, a chapter from a book. That's great. And and so they do this thing when someone gets an answer right, they snap. They don't clap, they just snap. And so all the kids are, and there was such positive energy in that. And I thought, wow, man, these kids feel good about being here. They're enthusiastic about one another. And I think when we can get kids, especially in black communities, to be tied together and be able to root for one another. All of America's better when the poor communities are doing better. Absolutely. Yeah. So check out the Louisiana Key Academy. Don't be a stranger. Thank you. <laughs> this is the Clay Young Show. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees 
the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at OpenEyesSafetyTraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Or look them up, Executone L. Executone of Louisiana. They still here and they're going to continue to give you great service. Here we, go. Here we go. This is the Clay Young Show. Special thanks to Dr. Cassidy for coming in studio with us this morning. While it may not be morning when you're listening, whatever time of day you're listening, we recorded that in the morning. The Louisiana Key Academy really is a pretty special place. I've, I've been there and watched the interaction between the educators there and the kids. And, I mean, I think it's pretty special, the work that they are doing. And, you know, Laura Cassidy obviously is someone that not as many people know about. She's married to Dr. Bill Cassidy, who is a U.S. senator. But Laura is a force in her own right and cares a great deal about kids and, again, children who are dealing with dyslexia or any any learning disability deserve the same uh, attention and they should be praised just as vigorously when they do a great job. And I think that's a part of the atmosphere at Louisiana Key Academy. And you can learn about Louisiana Key Academy, as you heard online, or just stop by the campus if you are in the greater Baton Rouge area, but there are schools like LA key around the country. And I think that they deserve our kudos for the job that they do. So thanks again, as I said, for Dr. Cassidy being on now next week on the show, as many of you around Louisiana and who are listening to the show from other parts of the country who may either be from the Baton Rouge area specifically, or from parts of Louisiana, you may be paying attention to what's happening with the passage of the incorporation effort for the city of St. George. We're going to talk next week with Drew Merle, who is the spokesperson and one of the legal advisors for the incorporation efforts. We agreed this week, as I record this closing, that we would talk next week after he has a chance to sit down with East Baton Rouge Parish President and Baton Rouge Mayor, 
Sharon Weston Broom. That's going to take place later this week. So as we record again, and then he's going to come in and, and answer some of the questions that many of you may have. In fact, if you've got questions about the incorporation effort that you'd like to have me ask him directly, you can do so by emailing me those questions. That email address is clay at podcast225.com. And of course, you can also message me on social media, on Instagram, clay underscore young BR on Twitter at Clay Young BR and on Facebook, just Clay Young. And I'll ask the questions. This is, has been an interesting political cycle in Louisiana. And the next 13 months are going to be something else because we're finishing off this cycle here over the next month in Louisiana. And then we're ramping up for the national election. That's taking place just over a year from now, not to mention around where our studio and offices are. There's going to be city and parish elections. And so, man, that's lots. A lot of politics is is really still on the horizon for us to talk about. And I'm looking forward to getting into it. Thanks again for being with us. A major new show coming to podcast 225.com. I haven't talked about it in a little while. I referenced it several weeks back, but that process is, has never gone away. And when you find out what the show is, you'll understand what I mean. It's a pretty big deal. And I look forward to sharing the details with you about it soon here on podcast 225.com. Thank you all for listening. This has been a production of Podcast225.com. Hear the show, get in touch, and make a connection at Podcast225.com. If you'd like more info on promoting your business or organization to thousands of Podcast225 listeners, call 225-214-1550. Thanks for listening, and join us next week for more of The Clay Young Show.